Calling all nutrition nerds, fitness foodies, and anyone who may be health curious. I'm Anna, a graduate student in nutrition and a dietetic intern, and I'm here to be your guide on this journey to better well-being. Welcome to All In Nutrition, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of nutrition, health, and fitness, serving up digestible insights for people who are hungry to learn. Whether you're a wellness warrior or just starting out on your health and nutrition journey, we can support you along the way. Get ready to unlock the secrets to a healthier, happier you. Let's go all in on nutrition. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of All In Nutrition. I'm your host, Anna, and I'm so excited you're here. How's the new year treating you so far? I'm doing really well so far this week, or this year, (laughs) Um, after my mystery sickness at New Year's. um, It's just been business as usual. I'm working a few days a week, and then I have a little bit of free time right now because I'm on winter break from school and on break from my internship as well. So with all of that extra time, I am podcasting, obviously and working on doing a major purge of my apartment. Like no drawer is safe. I want this place as empty as possible right now. There's just something so satisfying about getting rid of clutter and things that you're not wearing or using. It's very freeing. It's like clearing space so that better things can come into your life. Plus, I I am hoping to find a new apartment, fingers crossed, in the next few months. I'm working to manifest that, and I think clearing out the apartment I already have of all the non-essentials and the clutter and the mess is really going to help me as I prepare for that. And before I get going on today's episode, I just have to say a huge thank you to everyone who has already listened liked, shared, subscribed to the podcast. Um, It means the world to me. I wish I could thank every single one of you in person. I mean, you guys have just been so encouraging and supportive. The whole reason I created the podcast and I felt inspired to start my Instagram page is to connect with like-minded people and and like-minded women and to share everything that I've learned over the years both through my own health journey and through grad school. So knowing that my message actually resonates with people and we are able to connect about health and nutrition is just so fulfilling and uplifting. So thank you again. Thank you so, so much. All right, today's episode is a doozy. I am gonna tell you my top three most hated diets and why. I feel like this is a very topical episode because it is resolution season, which means it is also diet season. And pretty soon it's gonna be spring break and summer body season too. So from now until like Memorial Day, there will be so much messaging coming at you about weight loss and bikini bodies and dieting. So I'm here to set the record straight. Although the ranking of these diets is 100% my opinion, I am going to go over the general parameters of each diet, the risks and benefits, and why I hate them so much. 
I'm going to really just go in on my personal beef with these diets. And I'm going to rank them in ascending order. So we'll start at the bottom with number three and then we'll work our way up to the big number one. Before I even get started on the specific diets I want to talk about, I have to like make my position about diets. I'm going to going to declare my stance. All weight loss diets, regardless of the parameters or the foods prescribed by the diet, all of them, every single one is designed to do one thing. And that is to create an energy deficit or a calorie deficit. Because an energy deficit, right, having more energy going out than you are taking in, that is the basic formula of weight loss. Weight loss can be and often is more complicated than that for many people, but that is a whole different episode and we will get there. So all diets are designed to create an energy deficit. And for the most part, all of them do this with varying degrees of success. So the reason why I don't like diets and these diets specifically is because they are not designed to be sustainable. It's almost impossible to follow these eating patterns forever, which is what you would have to do if you wanted to maintain your results over the long term. So diets like these essentially keep you trapped in a vicious cycle of losing and regaining weight over and over and over, which is why the weight loss industry is a billion dollar industry. They are counting on the fact that you won't be successful or you won't be able to maintain weight loss over the long term. It's a scam. It's a scam. It's such a scam. The only way to make weight loss or or any health change last long-term is to make it a lifestyle change. Okay, now that I got that out of the way, we can actually start talking about these specific diets that just really, really grind my gears. And I'm I'm gonna start with an honorable mention. Um, I know I said I was gonna talk about three, but I couldn't pick just three, and um, (laughs) I couldn't put this one all the way up in the top three but I definitely don't like it and I wanted to be able to talk about it. So the honorable mention for most hated diets goes to intermittent fasting. I think most of us have heard of this by now. It's gotten very popular on social media and pop culture over the last couple of years, but intermittent fasting is a diet or an eating pattern that involves restricting the eating window each day. The most common protocol that I see is people who do 16-8 intermittent fasting. So that means they only eat within an eight hour window each day. And outside of that window, the other 16 hours, they can only have like water or black coffee or, or tea. Some protocols are a little more intense and involve fasting for entire days. Um, the 5-2 protocol requires two full days of fasting per week and allows five days of normal food intake. And I think maybe on those two days, you're allowed to have like three to 500 calories, but it's still barely anything. I'll be generous to this diet before I go in on why I don't really recommend it. Um, For starters, I have definitely tried intermittent fasting before, I'll admit it. And yes, I did lose weight. Like I said earlier, all diets are designed to create a caloric deficit. So this diet creates a deficit by restricting the feeding window to the point where most people end up reducing their intake without really noticing it. 
Part of this is because you get to have larger meals when you are restricting your eating window, especially the shorter the window gets. I mean, imagine trying to fit an entire day's worth of food into a six hour or a four hour time period. You would be miserable if you actually ate a full day's worth of calories in that short amount of time, which is how this diet works. There's some pretty consistent evidence that this diet works for weight loss, regardless of what foods you're eating in your eating window, which is very appealing to some people. I mean, who wouldn't want to continue eating the same foods and then suddenly be losing weight just because you switched around your eating time? I just had to talk about intermittent fasting because I hate what this diet has done to pop culture nutrition. There is a huge misconception out there that just skipping breakfast is a good weight loss strategy, and this has been perpetuated by the popularity of intermittent fasting and just general misunderstanding of what intermittent fasting actually is. I've had family, friends, and patients who are doing this thinking that it will help them lose weight, but what ends up happening is usually one of two things. Either they are skipping breakfast and then so ravenously hungry by lunchtime that they will overeat at lunch or overeat with snacks throughout the day, which totally ruins the caloric deficit that they created by skipping breakfast, or they are slowing down their metabolism by restricting their intake, so they may have some initial weight loss from skipping breakfast, but then it plateaus. And you can't just keep indefinitely restricting your intake forever, right? So at that point, they're just kind of stuck. This diet has also created a general misunderstanding that fasting is just super good for you and something that people should be doing regularly is really been co-opted by the wellness industry as a super restorative practice. And yes, there can be some benefits to fasting for healthy people, but there are a lot of people who should not be fasting for a day or, or longer. People with diabetes or prediabetes, women who are pregnant or may become pregnant, and anyone with a history of disordered eating or an eating disorder diagnosis should not try this. The risks far outweigh the benefits. I know that I mentioned before that I've tried intermittent fasting, and yes, it worked for me in that I did lose weight while eating a very similar diet to what I was eating normally. So why did I stop doing it? The basic reason I stopped is that I realized I was scared of eating breakfast. I had anxiety around eating before 11 a.m. I would drink way too much coffee to stave off my hunger, so my excuse for not eating breakfast was always, oh, I'm just not hungry. But when I actually started listening to my body, I realized, wow, I am hungry. I'm really hungry. I was just abusing caffeine to keep myself from feeling the edge of that hunger. So for me, on my journey towards intuitive eating and overall health, I knew I had to stop eating this way. And that is why I don't recommend intermittent fasting as a diet or a weight loss strategy anymore. Okay, number three of my top most hated diets is the raw food diet. The raw food diet, this one is just a bit weird to me and there are a lot of variations of it, but basically it requires you to only eat foods that are uncooked or specifically have not been heated to a temperature higher than 118 degrees Fahrenheit. The emphasis of this diet is on eating whole unprocessed foods 
and primarily on eating fresh fruits and vegetables, grains, and nuts and seeds. So some versions of this diet are completely vegan and don't allow any animal products at all, but some versions allow raw dairy and eggs and some like raw seafood. So the supporters of this diet argue that eating food raw is more nutritious as you are consuming food in its natural form, the way it comes out of the ground, they say that it has a higher nutrient content because it has not been cooked and the nutrition profile has not been altered in any way. This diet is also pretty effective for weight loss because raw produce is relatively low in calories compared to produce that may have been cooked in oils or have a breading or a sauce added to it to make it taste better. Plus, eating a lot of raw produce will increase your intake of fiber and water, which is really filling, so you may feel satisfied with fewer calories. So there is some validity to this as a weight loss diet because you'll be eating high volume foods that are low in calories. It's also a great idea to prioritize whole unprocessed foods in your diet. There's nothing wrong with wanting to increase your intake of these foods and avoid more processed foods that are higher in sugar and calories. My big issue with this diet is that it is just too restrictive. Cutting out whole food groups from your diet is generally not a good idea unless you have an allergy of some kind. Different types of food offer different nutrition benefits, which is why having a varied diet is so important to living a balanced and healthy life. But eliminating entire food groups or having restrictive food rules like raw food only is a recipe for developing disordered eating patterns. It just is. Not only can you not have anything that's cooked, you can't even have coffee, tea, caffeine, or canned vegetables on this diet. That is nuts. I won't lie, the coffee would be a deal breaker for me. I just love coffee too much. I'm drinking coffee right now while I'm recording this, and I, I have no good reason to give it up. But if you follow this diet, you're that person who now has to bring their own food to every function or every party because your lifestyle is so restricted. What are you going to do? Like, what are you going to eat if you go out? Are you just going to have a salad or a smoothie? That's all that you can have. Plus, there is no significant evidence that you're getting more nutrition from raw food than cooked food. So there's no reason to avoid cooking. Not to mention that there are many essential vitamins like the B vitamins that you're not getting if you're only eating raw plant foods. So if you're not taking a supplement or eating animal foods, you run the risk of developing some serious deficiencies. And eating raw animal food, like raw animal protein, um, such as dairy, eggs, seafood, meat, that can be really dangerous, um, especially if you're just preparing it by yourself at home you could be putting yourself at serious risk of a foodborne illness, which could be fatal. This diet is also so effective for weight loss that it's actually too effective. People who follow this diet for a significant period of time may end up being underweight and suffering from malnutrition. I definitely remember seeing um, a headline within the past year about people who died from following an exclusively raw vegan diet because they were malnourished. They died of malnutrition. There are some real risks to this diet, and in my opinion, the benefits do not outweigh the risks, so it's a big no for me. 
Coming in at number two on the list is Herbalife, and I'll go ahead and include anything that is a shake or a meal replacement type thing, like Slim Fast and stuff like that. Herbalife is a global MLM company, a multi-level marketing company, which don't even get me started on that. That's another scam I could go off on. But they sell nutrition products and supplements, and one of their products is a weight loss diet program. This diet consists of meal replacement shakes and dietary supplements, plus one regular meal per day. The program requires two of three meals per day to be meal replacement shakes, and you're supposed to take their proprietary supplements as well. As far as diets go, this one is pretty easy to follow. Like, you don't have to cook anything yourself, um, and as long as you're stocked up on all of the products, you're pretty much set, which is why it's so appealing to some people. The thing about Herbalife and meal replacement shakes is that, first of all, you're missing out on the benefits of eating real whole foods. That's why you're supposed to take vitamins on this diet and why the shakes are fortified with some vitamins and minerals. It's because you're not eating real food, so you're not getting real food nutrition. Another issue with these shakes is that they are highly processed and contain a lot of things like artificial flavors, added sugars, protein isolates, and preservatives. I'm all for neutralizing processed foods. I don't believe that processed foods are evil but I will never recommend prioritizing this over real food or as a replacement for real food, which is what this diet is intended to be. And speaking of added sugars, there is actually a lot of added sugar in these. Some of the shakes have up to 40% of their calories coming from added sugars, which is pretty significant since you're supposed to have two of these shakes per day on the diet. These products are also way too low in calories for me to really feel good about recommending them. Um, when they are prepared as directed, one serving of an Herbalife shake mixed with milk is about 170 calories, which is supposed to be consumed as a replacement for a meal. You guys, 170 calories is a snack, not a meal. And that's actually a really small snack. So let's do some math. Dietitians actually do a lot of math, nutrition math, which I did not think about before I got into this, but oh well, I'm here now. Okay, so two of these shakes per day would come out to be about 340 calories, and then you're allowed one more meal per day. So that meal would have to be a 900 to 1,000 calorie meal just to be hitting a 1,200 to 1,300 calorie day, which is the average caloric requirements of a two-year-old child, a toddler. That is just not enough calories for a grown adult to be consuming, and especially not an adult who is doing any kind of activity during the day, even light exercise. This would not be enough calories to sustain that. The other big problem with this diet is that it can be expensive because, surprise, this is not designed to make you healthy. It is designed to keep you on the weight loss and regain cycle so that you will be a repeat customer of this multi-billion dollar company for years and years. A container of Herbalife meal replacement shake mix contains 30 servings and costs $43. So if you're consuming two of these per day for 30 days, that comes out to about $86 per month. 
And that does not include the cost of the additional supplements they recommend, as well as your other groceries. And keep in mind that because this is a meal replacement diet, you're going to have to do it forever if you want to maintain any of the results that you see from it. Products that are classified as nutritional supplements are also typically not evaluated by the FDA for safety or effectiveness, so please keep that in mind when you are buying any type of nutrition supplement, shake, powder, whatever it is. The claims they make in their marketing don't have to be clinically tested because they're not classified as a medication. They're classified as a supplement, so they don't have to prove that it works the way it's advertised to work as long as they print on the label in a teeny tiny print. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. They are good to go. So definitely be wary of this. Any type of meal re replacement out there, I just cannot, I cannot abide by this diet. All right, and coming in at number one, the award for my number one most hated diet, the keto diet. And if you know me or you know me very well, you had to know this was going to be it. You just, there, like there's really no other option for it to be. My number one most hated diet has probably always been the keto diet, and y'all knew this was coming, so let's just get into it. There are a lot of different types of low-carb diets out there, but a true keto diet or ketogenic diet is a very low carbohydrate diet that prioritizes a high intake of fat and a moderate intake of protein. The diet protocol is designed to basically get your body into ketosis, which is a state of using fat for fuel rather than using carbohydrates. Fats are important on a keto diet because fats are highly satiating. So by increasing fat intake, a person can be very satisfied and less hungry between meals, which will help keep them from snacking or overeating, which would stall their weight loss. Let's do some biochemistry real quick, and I hope I don't lose you guys in this, but biochemistry is part of what I love about nutrition. And I want to talk about how this diet actually works because I think most people don't really know. So I'll, I'll try to keep it simple. First of all, the name keto or ketogenic, where does that come from? The name comes from the production of ketone bodies, which are molecules, compounds that your body produces to be used as substitutes for fuel when carbohydrates are not available. This process, ketogenesis, which is how we get the word ketogenic, is not something that the body wants to do. This is an emergency backup protocol in response to what the body thinks is starvation, the absence of carbohydrates, which are the preferred energy source for the body. Now, the body stores carbohydrates in your cells to be used as energy between meals, but when these stores are used up and no more carbs are consumed, the body starts to break down triglycerides, which are fat molecules, inside your fat cells, and converts those into secondary products. I'm not going to get into all of those, it's a lot of complicated chemical names, but secondary products that will be shuttled inside your mitochondria, remember those, and used in the Krebs cycle to produce ATP, which hopefully we all remember is the energy currency used in the body. This process is much more energetically expensive 
than it is to burn carbohydrates for fuel. And by that, I mean that breaking down fats and converting them into molecules that can be used for fuel costs the body energy. It costs ATP to be able to do this, whereas breaking down carbohydrates produces ATP. The other thing about this process is that we haven't even gotten to the ketone bodies yet. So it's great that your body can burn fat for fuel. That's really good news for weight loss and fat loss. But here's the thing, your brain cannot use fat for fuel because those molecules cannot cross the blood-brain barrier. The blood-brain barrier is just a layer of blood vessels surrounding the brain, which is how the brain gets oxygen and nutrients. But fat molecules are too large to diffuse across this barrier, meaning that your brain would not be getting any fuel. Here's where the ketone bodies come in. These molecules are created from the fat molecules and can diffuse across the blood-brain barrier and be used by brain cells. This is really important because the brain accounts for about 20% of your total energy expenditure. So we really need to be getting these nutrients to the brain. And the transition when a person starts doing keto and they have those symptoms like brain fog and fatigue, sometimes this is called the keto flu, that is your body transitioning between having carbohydrates available and then not having carbohydrates available and trying to transition over to produce fat for fuel and also produce enough ketone bodies that your brain has fuel available. Okay, now that we've done a deep dive on keto, hopefully y'all are still here and you didn't turn off the pod. If you've been skipping forward, tune back in now. Let's talk about how this diet got to be so popular. Traditionally, the ketogenic diet was used as a therapeutic diet for people with epilepsy. Don't ask me to fully explain the mechanism of this, but this diet can be very effective for controlling seizures because of the different processes being used by the brain. Obviously though, the most popular use of this diet is for weight loss. I think we all know that. The Atkins diet, which is a form of low carbohydrate diet that was created in the 1970s, is definitely one of the most popular low carb diets but I personally don't remember seeing the word keto on everything until like 2018 or 2019. That was, I feel like it really started to peak in terms of popularity. And people definitely will lose some weight doing keto or low carb, although the first five pounds are typically just water weight. Many people eventually plateau and their weight loss stalls after a certain amount. But one thing that definitely attracts people to keto is that you don't have to count calories. Calorie counting is overwhelming for a lot of people, so that the idea that you can just lose weight by avoiding certain foods is appealing. Although, they may end up having to count their carbohydrates in the long run, so you can't always avoid tracking forever, sorry. My real beef, we'll get into it, my real beef with the keto diet is that this diet has just saturated popular culture to the point where the average person does have some awareness of carbohydrates, but thinks that they're all bad. And I have some personal examples of this. A few years ago, during 2020, I went exclusively plant-based, so my diet was 100% vegan. Uh, I was just experimenting, that was 2020 for all of us, 
and I felt like this diet pattern worked very well for me. I felt really great, but that's beside the point. One of the comments that I got most often from people was like, but if you don't eat meat or eggs or cheese, aren't you basically just eating carbs? And I said, yeah, I guess. And their eyes would get so big and they would just say, but how are you not getting weight? They were just horrified. And people could not fathom the idea that a diet high in healthy carbohydrates would not make me gain a ton of weight. My diet was mostly just that. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, all very healthy foods. And those are generally low in calories. So I actually ended up losing a lot of weight when I was eating that way. A little bit too much weight, but again, that's another episode. But the fear of carbohydrates that I saw in people whenever I would talk about it, it was kind of crazy. Another thing that I see a lot, I work at Starbucks. Hit me up if you're also a barista. I work at Starbucks. I'm a shift supervisor and I've had this job for a little over four years. And something that would happen all the time, especially at the height of keto around 2019 and 2020, would be people pulling up and ordering a venti frappuccino made with heavy cream. Made with heavy cream. Or a latte made with all heavy cream. They'd order this and then be like, yeah, I'm on keto, so I need it to be high fat. It was just unbelievable. I just wanted to say, ma'am, that is 20 ounces of heavy cream. There's like 800 calories in just one cup of heavy whipping cream, just eight ounces. And I don't say that to like get focused on calories. That's not my point. The point is ordering this because people have really convinced themselves that if it's high fat, that makes it keto friendly. And if it's keto friendly, then it's healthy. And that is not the case at all. When the keto diet was at its most popular, I mean, I would see a lot of people doing dirty keto or lazy keto where their their diet was mostly bacon and cheese. And yes, they may lose a little bit of weight doing this, at least until they reach a point where the calorie deficit from avoiding carbohydrates is balanced out by the high calories of these high fat foods that they're eating. But a lot of the food choices I see around this are very high in saturated fat and very high in calories. And saturated fats are the kind of fats that are bad for your heart and can increase your risk of heart disease. Some people also see a significant increase in their LDL cholesterol, which is the quote unquote bad cholesterol, while they're on this diet because they're significantly decreasing their intake of fiber containing carbohydrate foods like vegetables and whole grains. Saturated fat is typically solid at room temperature, so in the nutrition world, we like to say if it's solid on the table, it's solid in your heart. Just think about that. I definitely cannot recommend someone to go on a low carbohydrate diet if I know they're gonna be consuming foods that are high in saturated fats. There are a lot of keto-friendly diet products on the market now that you can get at any grocery store like protein bars or snack bars, cookies, chips, but these are all highly processed foods with a lot of fiber and sugar alcohols artificially added to alter the nutrition profile of the food. So yes, it might be lower in net carbohydrates, but in terms of its overall effects, these are not 
generally healthier for your body than just eating real food. So overall, my problem with keto is the effect that it has had on popular nutrition and culture. Keto will have people drinking heavy cream, but scared to eat a whole banana. And that is just, pardon my language, that is just ass backwards nutritionally. I just cannot abide keto. Prepare to hear this rant again if you ever bring it up to me in person. I'm so sorry. (sighs) Okay, oh my goodness. Was that all? Am I done? That was way longer than I thought it would be, but clearly I have a lot of thoughts on keto and diets in general. And if you take one thing away from this episode, just know that I am very anti-diet and that I will be an anti-diet dietitian. We will do future episodes on intuitive eating, gentle nutrition, and even weight loss, but I have to make my stance on diets known, and these are some of the worst of the worst, in my opinion. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you learned something from this episode, and make sure to share this with a friend so that they don't fall into the New Year's diet trap. I will see you in the next episode. Bye! Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the All In Nutrition podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And find me on Instagram at Anna's All In and the Nutrition Podcast at All In Nutrition Pod. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.